How many of you have experienced the surrounding presence of God in your life over this past year? Can I just hear from you? You've experienced the surrounding presence of God. God, we are so thankful to be in this place. We think about what's happened over this last year and uh, the changes that we've experienced, the stuff that we've gone through, the struggles that we've faced, the decisions that we've had to make, all of that. And sometimes it has felt like we have been closed in upon by just the realities of what's going on in the world. But your presence never leaves. Your presence continues to surround us. You continue to fight our battles for us that we have already won. If we could just acknowledge that, that we have already won in you because you are victorious over every battle. So we have already won in you as long as we stay in you, as long as we stay connected to you. Lord, we pray whatever it is that we need to hear today, and we need to hear different stuff. We're going through different things, different struggles, all of that. But whatever it is that we need to hear on this 4th of July, I pray that your spirit would be set free in our hearts for us to hear it. And we pray that in the name of Christ. And everyone said together, amen. Can we give the Lord a praise offering? Awesome. All right, you can have a seat, or if you want to stand through my whole message, you can. So that's entirely up to you. So it was, so happy 4th of July. Let me just say that officially. Happy 4th of July. It's been a year since we have been here doing this. So exactly a year ago, we uh, gathered in this parking lot, and if you remember, we had gone four weeks of online only, just watching the services online, and a year ago, we gathered here, and we started to have in-person worship services. We've had in-person worship services over uh, the last year, which has been amazing, and uh, so last year was crazy, right? Last year... Uh, when we gathered, it was like, I know it's kind of hot if you're in the sun, but like it was a million degrees last year. I don't know if any of you remember that who were here. You probably blocked it out. It was really, really hot. They had a fan over here to keep me from like passing out. And my notes were flying all over the parking lot. And, uh, and I will say, this is the only service. This is the third of three services this weekend. Last year, I wore this jersey, this Nats jersey, all the services. This year, I wore some other things. This is the only time I've worn it. And I decided to bring it out because last year when we met, the Nats had just won the World Series. And, like, it was awesome. We were celebrating that. And this year, it's not so good for the Nats. It's not a good year for the Nats. And so this is anticipatory faith. Like, I, this is... A symbol of hope for the Nats. We're going to talk about some other hope, but this is a symbol of hope for the Nats that they will, I can tell that you're excited about that. Like, I can tell that really matters to you. So, so what a year, right, that it's been uh, exhausting at some level. I don't know how you feel kind of emotionally, but a lot of exhaust, just trying to figure things out, trying to figure out work schedules. A lot of you tried to figure out work schedules over this last year, figure out Parents figure out school schedules for kids. I, parents, you are my heroes. The fact that you've gotten through this year 
And actually, all you students, you're my heroes too, that you're God through this year, you're talking in complete sentences, like you make sense and all of that. I mean, it's just been amazing. We've dealt with financial struggles. A lot of us have dealt with financial struggles, physical stuff that we've gone through, trying to figure stuff out, trying to figure out when we can not wear a mask and it be safe and trying to figure out when can I start hugging people? When can I start shaking hands? And when can I actually sit next to someone like you are sitting next to people today? Like it's just, it's been exhausting kind of trying to figure that out. And if you've read much about kind of this post-traumatic season that we're, like the world is coming out of a, of a post-traumatic, like we're dealing with post-traumatic stress, kind of post-traumatic stress exhaustion. And we're kind of trying to figure out what the next season looks like. And we're, we're not sure. Like we're not sure what the next season looks like. We're tired. Um, we're not sure if what we were doing prior to the pandemic is the same thing that we want to do after the pandemic. We're not sure if we want to do it in the same way. We're not sure if we want to engage our jobs in the same way. It's just kind of an exhausting, exhausting kind of time. And if you feel a little tired, if you feel a little exhausted, if you feel a little bit like I'm not quite sure what this next season is going to look like for me and for my family, you are in great company. Not just with the people that are sitting around you today or the rest of culture that's going through this, but with a lot of figures in the Bible who have gone through or who went through the same thing. Like we're exhausted, got to a point of like, I'm not sure what's next. I'm not sure what I should do. Um, and, and, I, and I'm just completely and totally exhausted. And one of the people that was in that position was a guy by the name of Jonah. A lot of you know the story of Jonah. Jonah was the guy who God wanted him to do something and Jonah didn't want to do it. So Jonah gets on a boat and he tries to go as far away as he can from God, which is stupid because wherever you go when you're running away from God, God is already there. Like you cannot get to some place as you're trying to distance yourself from God that God is not there. And Jonah finally figures that out. But Jonah's on the boat. The, a, a big storm comes up. Um, they, everyone thinks they're going to die. The sailors become convinced that Jonah is the problem. Jonah becomes convinced that maybe he is the problem. And so they throw Jonah overboard to save themselves. Jonah gets swallowed by this big fish that actually saves his life, spits him up on the shore. And then Jonah ends up doing what God wanted him to do in the first place. It's an amazing story. And what's interesting about the story is that Jonah is exhausted when this whole thing is over. But Jonah's not exhausted by the storm. He's not exhausted by the fact that he's, he, he spends some time in the belly of a fish. He's not even exhausted by all of the, all of the, all of the, the acting out of what God had called him, like living out the calling that God had. What he's exhausted by is the compassion and the mercy and the forgiveness of God. He is exhausted by the compassion and the mercy and the forgiveness of God. And that makes no sense whatsoever 
unless you realize what it was that God had called Jonah to do. And what God had called Jonah to do was to go to a city called Nineveh, which was the capital city in the largest empire of that time, and to preach a message of repentance. And the Ninevites were a part of this empire that had brutalized the Israelites. Violence, oppression, brutality, evil, evil things that they had experienced at the hands of the Ninevites. And the message from God is, Jonah, I want you to go preach a message of repentance that they would turn from that brutality and that violence and that oppression and all of that. And if they don't turn, something really, really awful is going to happen to them. Now, the reason Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh and preach the message of repentance is not because he's afraid they won't repent. It's because he's afraid they will repent. And Jonah doesn't want them to repent because Jonah doesn't want them to experience the compassion and the mercy and the forgiveness of God. They have hurt him and they have hurt his tribe and his people and he wants them to pay for what they've done he wants them to suffer but things don't go exactly the way that jonah hoped they would go he goes to nineveh he preaches a message of repentance the people of nineveh repent and in response god shows compassion to them he forgives them and now jonah is angry he's exhausted and he's not quite sure what to do next. So he just goes outside the city and sits there and sulks. And that's where we pick up the story in chapter 4. The book of Jonah is only four chapters, very a very short book. And chapter 4, which I want to read most of it, is a very short chapter. But this is what happens next. But Jonah was greatly displeased with God for his forgiveness and became angry. He prayed to the Lord, O oh Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? In other words, this is the reason I didn't want to go to Tarshish. I mean, this is the reason I didn't want to go to Nineveh. Because I knew you were merciful. And I knew you were a forgiving God. And I didn't want them to experience that. That's why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. I knew that you're gracious. I knew that you were compassionate. I knew that you're slow to anger. You're abounding in love. You're a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, O oh Lord, take away my life, for it's better for me to die than to live. I would rather die. Think about that. I would rather die than see someone who has hurt me experience something good in their lives. Just take me home now. But the Lord replied, have you any right to be angry? Jonah went out, sat down at a place east of the city. There he made a shelter. He sat in the shade he waited to see what would happen to the city. And then the Lord God provided a vine and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head and to ease his comfort, his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy, very happy about the vine. But at dawn, the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the vine so that it withered. And when the sun rose, God provided a scorching heat, east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint and he wanted to die. And he said, it'd be better for me to die than to live. So Jonah is frustrated with God for showing compassion to the Ninevites. And as Jonah sits there sulking over what God has done, God provides this 
vine that gives him shade from the scorching sun overhead. And Jonah loves the vine. Jonah thinks Jonah is happy because of the vine. Jonah thinks the vine is the best thing that has ever happened in the history of the world. Jonah thinks the vine is the most important thing in his life. But the next day, God causes the vine to wither away. And Jonah is so angry that God destroys the vine that he wants to die. And look at what God says next. But God said to Jonah, Jonah, do you have a right to be angry about this vine? And Jonah, Jonah's pretty bold at this point in his conversation with God. Jonah goes, I do. Like, I love the vine. The vine was awesome. The vine gave me shade. I'm angry enough to die. But the Lord said, you know, you've been concerned about this vine, though you did not tend it. You did not make it grow. It sprang up overnight. It died overnight. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people who can't tell their right hand from their left, and a lot of cattle as well. Should I not be concerned about that great city? So God calls out Jonah, right? He says, Jonah, think about this. Think about how perverted your heart has gotten that you have more compassion for this vine than you have for the 120,000 people that are living in Nineveh. That you would rather see the 120,000 people destroyed than to see the vine destroyed. That your heart has grown so attached to the shade that you've, lose, you've lost your heart for the one who gives the shade. That's how perverted your heart has become. Now, here's the deal. Just like Jonah, uh, all of us get attached to the shade, right? I mean, that's why you're sitting where you're sitting, a lot of you, is that you tried to find the shadiest place that was out here, and thankfully the clouds have provided a little shade. But we love the shade. We love the shade because the shade is more refreshing. We love it because cool breeze comes through in the shade. Um, it's just easier when we are in the shade. Uh, everything is just better in the shade. And we love the shade in our lives as well. Like we love the things that refresh us, that renew us, that make us happy, that get us through situations. We love the shade. And, and, and I would say in this last year, as we've been navigating through this pandemic and uh, trying to figure out like what we're going to do, like we've been trying to find shade wherever we can find shade, just to survive, just to have a moment of, of happiness, a, a moment of joy, a, a moment where it feels normal, a moment where like we feel okay. And sometimes we look for shade um, and it's, it's, it's kind of healthy places that we look. Sometimes we find shade in a relationship, right? A relationship that is healthy, a relationship that's fulfilling, a relationship that's refreshing. Uh, sometimes we find shade in a new job, or we get the job of our dreams, the job we'd always hoped for, uh, or we get promoted to a different kind of position. It's just like, oh, it just brings some joy. It brings some refreshment. It brings some 
shade. Or sometimes we, we find shade in, in buying stuff or purchasing stuff. Like we get a new house and it's like it brings some shade into our lives. Or we get a new kitchen and it, and it brings some shade. Or we get a new car or whatever it is. Or we start a new hobby and it brings some refreshment, some joy. I mean, fairly healthy things, right? Where we try to find just a little bit of, of joy and, and refreshment and all of that. Sometimes we try to find shade in really unhealthy places. Like we try to find shade um, in, in medicating the pain that we're feeling with alcohol or drugs or sex or an unhealthy relationship that we know is not the right relationship, but it provides a little shade, a little comfort, a little refreshment, or by binge-watching Netflix or by whatever it is. Like, we try to find shade. And here's the thing, that all of that shade, at its best, is temporary. It's like the vine that grew up over Jonah. It's temporary shade. It eventually will get taken away. And when it gets taken away, just like Jonah, we're angry. We're angry at God for taking away the shade. The shade has become more important to us than the one who gives us the shade. Now, I think that God is trying to help Jonah and us understand two things in this passage. First of all, I think God's trying to help Jonah understand that his heart, God's heart, is not attached to the same kind of stuff that our heart gets attached to. That our heart gets us attached to, to success, to stuff, to things or whatever. That God's heart just doesn't get attached to that. That God's heart gets attached to people. Especially people that are messed up. Especially people that are screwed up. Especially people that are trying to figure things out. People like us. Like he, his heart gets attached to people like us. Folks that are trying to navigate through life, folks that uh, sometimes make good decisions, sometimes don't make good decisions, sometimes we know where we're headed, sometimes we don't know where we're like, God's heart gets attached to people like us. It's interesting that God tells Jonah that the city of Nineveh is filled with 120,000 people. Now, first of all, 120,000 people would have been a mega city back then. Uh, like the average city back then was 3,000, 4,000, 5,000. So a city of 120,000, we're talking about New York size, Tokyo size, New Delhi size, whatever, just like a huge, massive city, 120,000 people. And God tells Jonah that the people that live in the city, they can't tell their right hand from their left hand. That's kind of a Hebrew phrase telling your right hand from your left hand that is talking about someone who is spiritually lost, someone who's spiritually blind, someone who is, is trying to figure things out, trying to connect the dots, that, that doesn't know really where they've come from, doesn't know really where they're going, doesn't really understand what their purpose in life is, like why they're here. And, and so because of that, that when they come to these decision points in life, they're not sure whether to turn to the right or whether to turn to the left. Like you have to have some grounding in your life to make those kinds of decisions. Like it's the grounding that we have rooted in the God who created us that when we come to these decision points, they become not easy, but they become a little clearer 
because we have a sense of who we are and who God is and who God wants us to be. And so it's a little easier to make these decisions whether we turn to the right or whether we turn to the left. And God tells Jonah, here's a city that's filled with people that don't know which way to go. People that are trying to figure it out. People that are not sure about what their life is all about. And because God's heart is attached to people and not stuff and not things, that God's response to the people of Nineveh is not judgment upon the people of Nineveh. It is compassion on the people of Nineveh. That God wants to do something about it. God wants to help them. God wants for them to to experience something different. God wants for the trajectory of their lives to go in a different direction than it's going in right now. That's the first thing. Second thing I think God's trying to help Jonah understand and us to understand is that he wants us to have the same kind of compassion for others that God has. See, God wants us to be compassionate to the people who are still trying to figure things out. Still trying to connect the dots. Still trying to figure out whether to go to the right or whether to go to the left. And here's the thing. It's easy. It's easier to be compassionate for people who are trying to figure things out, uh, trying to connect the dots, trying to figure out this God thing, this Jesus, and all of that. It's easier to be compassionate when they are not hurting us in the process. But God wants us to be compassionate to the people who are trying to figure it out. Even if it's a process of trying to figure it out, they are saying things that are hurting us, doing things that are hurting us. He still wants us to be compassionate. He still wants us to want the best for them. The reason Jonah was so angry with God is because even though the Ninevites repented of their brutality and their violence... There's a lot of stuff they didn't do. And this is the part we sometimes miss in the story. Is that, yes, they repented of being so violent. They repented of some of the oppression that they had been involved with. They said, we're not, we're not going to do that. We're going we're to go a different course. But there's a lot of stuff they didn't do. Like, they didn't adopt and embrace the Mosaic law. They, they didn't get circumcised. They didn't become a part of the covenantal people of God which meant that the Ninevites still remained this powerful political entity that posed an enormous threat to Israel's national interest. And that's why Jonah does not want the Ninevites to repent, Ninevites to repent because if God had done something awful to them or allowed something awful to happen to them, then Israel would have been helped. That would have been a big help to the nation of Israel. But God doesn't do something awful to Nineveh. Instead, God weeps over Nineveh. He looks at these people who are not quite sure where to turn, and his heart is broken. Just like Jesus, as he made his way into Jerusalem, on his way to the cross, on his way to pay the price for our sins, on his way to pay the price for our forgiveness, for compassion for us, for mercy, on his way to provide shade for us 
we're told that as Jesus entered into the city, Jesus wept. Even though he knew he was about to do something that would provide help and compassion and forgiveness and shade for humanity, his heart wept for the brokenness of people who were about, think about this, of people who were about to nail him to a cross. The very people who were going to cry out, crucify him, he's weeping over their brokenness. He's weeping over the fact that they're not quite sure like how to live life. Now, here's the deal. We live in a culture, I think, where there's not a lot of weeping <laughs> that's going on. I mean, we weep over our stuff. Like when things don't go well, we, we weep over our stuff. And maybe we weep over the stuff of people that are really close to us. But I'm talking about like weeping, weeping for the others. Weeping for those who are on the other side. Weeping for those that are on the other side politically from where maybe you are or we are. Weeping for those that are on the other side theologically from where you are. Weeping for those who are on the other side morally from where you are or ethically from where you are. Like weeping, weeping for folks, even though they may be on the other side of where we are. Like Jonah, we are often too angry. <laughs> we live in an angry culture. Oftentimes we are too angry or we're too self-protective or we're too focused on trying to hang on to the things that give us shade, even if it's just shade for a little while, that we lose sight of what God is actually trying to do in the world. The book of Jonah, um, I read the end of the book of Jonah, and you probably didn't recognize this at the end because it's like, it doesn't end the way you would think a book like this would end, like with some declaration of God and what's God all about and his compassion, all that he does it. It ends with a question. It's a question that God poses to Jonah, and it's simply this question. Jonah, should I not be concerned about the people of this city? Like, should I not be concerned about the people that are on the other side? Should I not be concerned about the people who are hurting and broken, and even though they've caused pain to you and all of that, should I not be concerned for people in the city? It's a rhetorical question, and the implied answer to the question is yes, yes, God should be concerned. And the other implied answer is we should be concerned. But I think something else is implied in that question. I think God is reminding Jonah and us that when we do that, when we join with God in this mission of compassion and mercy and forgiveness, even to those who may be on the other side, that we will not be left out in the scorching heat. That we will experience shade, not a shade like Jonah experienced, and not a shade like we pursue oftentimes, not a shade that is here today and gone tomorrow, and we get angry because the shade is gone, but a lasting shade. The shade of God's compassion on our lives. That when, when we enter into this mission with God to show compassion and love and forgiveness, that we experience that same shade in our lives. We experience God's compassion. And we experience God's forgiveness. 
And we experience God's mercy. And we experience God's grace. But for us to have that happen, oftentimes God needs to cut down a few vines for us to realize that. So let me just ask you a question. As you come to the end of this, I mean, I know the pandemic is still going on in different ways around the world and all of that. I'm not simplifying it. But as you come to the end of like this season that we've been in, where you've been maybe trying to find shade wherever you can find some shade. And maybe that has involved some behaviors that are not so awesome, maybe some attitudes that are not so awesome, maybe some things that are good, but they just become way, way too important for you. As you've been like trying to find shade wherever you can find shade, because it's been so exhausting, it's been so disruptive, it's been like, I don't know what to do and how to deal with it, so I'll just take shade wherever I can find shade. Like, where does God need to cut down a few vines in your life? Like, out of your exhaustion, out of your pain, out of your hurt, out of your attempt to just feel normal, out of your desire to just be happy, where has your heart grown more attached to the shade than to the giver of the shade? Where has your heart grown more attached to the shade that will be here, tomorrow, here today and gone tomorrow than the shade that lasts through good times, through bad times, through pandemics, through changes, through all of that? Maybe as we come out of this season, one of the things all of us, I know I do, one of the things all of us need to kind of say is, God, what are the vines that you need to cut down so I can experience a different kind of shade? The shade of your compassion, the shade of your mercy, your love, the shade that's lasting, the shade that fills my soul in a way that no other shade will ever be able to fill my soul. God, we... We're so thankful to be here today. Wow, what a beautiful day. Be able to come together, sing, celebrate, um, experience your presence, be surrounded by some people that maybe we haven't been with in person for a long time. And so we're just thankful. Our hearts are, are filled because of that. But Lord, we know also over this last year that... Uh, We've tried to find shade in a lot of different places. It's not lasting and sometimes it's not healthy. And we want to find our rest, our peace, our refreshment, our joy, our shade in you. And maybe today consciously we just need to think about a few vines that have become a little we've become a little too attached to and just be willing to let you cut some of those down we pray this in the name of Jesus the one who gave his life to give us shade in the name of Christ we pray amen